Uh, Eddie Jones is uh, 56 today. And um, do you know what he was given by the players for his birthday present? He was given a non-slip bath mat. You're listening to The Ruck. This week, Owen Slot welcomes Stuart Barnes, Stephen Jones and Adam Jones to the stoop for a Six Nations preview special. I did just dig out some Six Nations um, odds before coming. England are uh, four to five on favourites. Ireland nine to four, Wales eight to one, France twelve to one, Scotland no chance. Italy five hundred to one, which is what the coaching of Conor O'Shea can do for you. <laughs> I spoke to Conor the other day, and he said that um, he had a lot of faith in the lads, and all they needed to do was to win back their self-respect. Uh, and then we stopped talking about Harlequins and moved on to Italy. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's it for the funny bits. Um, here we are, uh, just a few days away from the Six Nations. I, I can't recall a, 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 a build-up to the Six Nations when there's been a feeling of such momentum of so many teams growing to, if not a peak, but uh, to a very strong position. There seems to be a, a, a hell of a lot of competition. There's a lot of talk of an England-Ireland Grand Slam showdown in Dublin, which is a million miles away, in, in my opinion. W- would you agree with that, Stuart, that, that there is a, a general rise of quality that, at the moment? Yeah, I think so. It's a long time since we've gone into the Six Nations with two teams who truly were amongst the best four in the world. I, I think the standard is higher than we've seen it in, in over a decade. Um, the Six Nations is always the fans' tournament, and, and you guys, and, and we, we love it because of the the intense claustrophobia and the national rivalries. But really, for the last 10, 15 years, the Autumn Internationals have been more of a barometer of the quality of the game. But I think that's changed this year. You take New Zealand out of the equation, I think this tournament uh, has a lot of very strong teams. And, you know, Ireland and England rightly are two of the best four teams in the world, uh, but they are not bankers in any way, shape or form to have a, a Grand Slam decider because... Wales, who I think have a few problems, play them both at home. And, and as an Englishman who lived in Wales, I know how cussed Welshmen can be. And I can't see Wales losing to both England and Ireland. So I don't think we'll be going there for a Grand Slam decider. I think it will be a title decider, though. What's your view on that, Steve? Do, do we, are we just looking at all that, that far ahead to, to a, big, a big showdown in Dublin? Is that what you want to see? or No. No. Um, look, you can't, I don't think you can look far ahead. I mean, in the Six Nations, you can just look one, one day ahead, really. I think that you can't look any further than this weekend because when you do, when you start looking forward to the next game or the Grand Slam, you get completely submerged. I think it's the most exciting Six Nations there's been. I mean, considering it started in 20, so that's uh, 17 years. I just think it's, um, there are two teams that seem to stand out, but as, as Barnsley says, that Wales will be playing at home. Scotland, uh, uh, should they just manage to get past Ireland in the first game, can be off and running. I mean, they just can't win the first game. But I think it's unbelievably exciting. Some great players in it, some great characters. And you just it's one of those things where we know what the odds are, but does anyone really want to bet their life on who's going to win? I, I certainly don't. Adam, for me, the, uh, the the team that we probably know least about this year is actually Wales. Uh, they, they seem to be a team in transition. They've obviously changed their captain. They've got 
the, the new interim coach. Uh, there's a lot of talk from Rob Howley about how they want to play and that they appear to be caught sort of in between two stools in, in the autumn. I just, you, you, you know as well as anyone what, what actually is going on there. Do you, can, you, can you see them coming to fruition? You know, I think they played pretty well in the um, New Zealand in the autumn. There was a, sorry, in the, in the summer where they first started to, this new sort of um, rugby, wide, wide rugby rather than just the, around the corner, Warren Ball type of thing. But, um, oh, look, it's, it's going to take time. It's, you know, I think they haven't got a settled backs coach yet. By all accounts, Howlers isn't doing a lot of coaching. It's just his, um, his team, really. So I hope Alex King can come in and do a good job. I think probably it's a, you know, no, I'd say it's a good thing that Al is captain now. I think if Sam does get picked, you know, it'll probably be a six because he's not the best seven in wheels at the moment. Al sort of, um, you know, he's kind of been the unofficial leader anyway for the last sort of uh, six, or, six or so years. So um, in that respect, to be fresh, you know, it all depends what happens with the selection. I think for me, um, does he stick to tight? Does he stick to his usual players? Does he stick to the boys who've um, served him relatively well for the last couple of years? Or does he give the young kids a chance, which boys like Dai Youngson or uh, Keelan Jays, these guys, but... Uh, so history doesn't tell that we do uh, give a chance to the Six Nations to the last couple of games. So, do you think they're they're, they're struggling with this with this new game, or, or they're, they're desperate to to? Do they prefer the, the, the Warren Ball more simple game they were playing before, or it, it was working? It, it has worked, doesn't it? Set to uh, I think sort of three Six Nations titles and sort of majority of the Lions Test team in uh, 2013 was you know from the pattern the pattern as we call it back home, but. Um, I think we played that way because we had players to play that way. You know, we had Jamie, we had Jonathan Davis, we had these type of guys, George North, these big guys, these big fellows who can get around the, you know, who can get us over the game line. You know, and it, we do look at teams like Australia when they had Ghetto and now Farrell playing 12 for England, looking at the second receiver. And um, at the moment, honestly, we haven't got players to do it. There isn't anyone in the Welsh backline apart from Dan Bigger. Someone like Liam Williams would step up to second receiver. We haven't, unless, unless they pick Scott Williams, who still has been a bit up and down in his uh, Welsh career so far. So, um, no, look, it's, it's going to take time. It's, you know, we'll always have a big pack. We'll always have a good scrum, a good line-out, good maul. But it's just uh, doing the little, uh, wee little clever things on the field where we don't uh, get over the game rather than just the crash bang, which has been successful to us. And, um, Stuart, talk about England for, for a while. There's the injury issue. For me, the injury issue is a, is a temporary thing. If they get as far as Ireland, then there's a chance that they might have almost their entire team back and fit again. So the injury issue is for the first two games for, for France and Wales. How many of Marla, Hartley, not injured but not played, George Cruz, Haskell, how many of all these players who, who haven't played for a while would you, would you pick to, to perform without any, um, without any previous games? And uh, do you think that England will be seriously shorthanded without those two Vinipolas? To start with the latter question, I think England have got two areas that they're really hurt by injury. But I think the recent injury to Wesley Fafana playing for Clermont uh, against Exeter um, is bigger for France and all the England injuries put together. England have got so much depth and they've got mental uh, self-belief, they're not going to be hurt. I think Loosehead is one area that when they've lost both uh, Mako Vunipola and Joe Marler, that's a worry because I think it's a big drop and I think France with Antony will try and come at England there. And if the French can get to the English scrum, you put Ben Youngs on the back foot, his box kicking might not be as good as it was. And we all know that George Ford, I think we all know George Ford is a genius when things are going well, but he has yet to answer questions on the back foot. 
Now, this French team have two Fijians who are fantastic going forwards. They are dreadful going backwards. So if England get a front foot platform and they're not decimated at loose head and number eight, where Billy Vunipola would give them that uh, go forward, then I can't see them losing. So the big worry is, from England's perspective, what happens at loose head? If loose head stays solid... Nathan Hughes is not Billy Vunapola. There's only one Billy, but he will do a bloody good job. He's an outstanding player. You know, we talk about Cruz, he's fit now, and, and Haskell, who's fit. This England pack's not about individuals, um, by and large. It's about a collective will. It's about an athleticism. It's about a determination to choke teams. When they beat Australia, there wasn't one forward who technically was brilliant. It was Haskell led this amazing physical effort where they just overwhelmed players like Hooper and Pocock. And I can see them without players doing that again. So Hartley will start because Eddie Jones understands that England still remain dubious when it comes to leadership. It killed him in the World Cup, not just Chris Robshaw, but the whole thing. Hartley makes short, simple decisions. He understands what Jones thinks. He gives Jones his own emissary on earth. So he has to play... Um, a loose head if Marla was fit I think he'd like him to play for 50 or so other than that I don't think he has to take risks I, I, I don't agree with most of that uh, I think that um, um, if anyone has saw Saracens at the end of last season when they were unbeatable in the start of this season Stu, um, the Vunipolas are absolutely playing out of their skin I think Billy Vunipola uh, became the player we always dr- almost didn't dream to think he could be and this guy who could only play half a game then they'd have to be taken off as they ne- he's never s- even substituted now I think Mako may not be uh, the greatest scrummager but he's improved there and he is absolutely brilliant in, with the ball in hand and I think England will be as vulnerable on Saturday as they will at any time of the season because Billy and Mako are huge also you've got the problem you know there's a bulletin today that that Hartley's fit Joe Marler's fit James Haskell's fit George Cruz is fit none of them have played any rugby they may be fit to play without doing themselves in the injuries but if match fitness means anything it is a heck of a thing to put them all in four players who have not played at all or hardly at all in one game so I, I think that I uh, agree with you about Fofana about how important he is but I think Eddie's got thinking to do and I think if France can get themselves together and believe I think in England will be vulnerable on Saturday this is just one other um, piece of team news from uh, from the camp. Say is Jack Nowell apparently has, has cut off his rat's tail. So I don't know if that's regarded as a marginal gain or not. Um, the, the the thing about the match fitness, Adam. It, it, Eddie Jones would have us believe, and in fact, sort of other coaches sort of say the same, that because we understand the sports science of, of a game so well that that players can be prepared for to to be match ready without having played I, mean, I don't know if you agree with that at all I mean you, you, you can just play can't you <laughs> I'm probably the wrong person to be asking about any sort of fitness to be fair but uh. <laughs> um, yeah I think um, it's the boys who've been injured is, is the struggle you know Dylan's obviously been banned for eight weeks six weeks whatever else, so he's been keeping fit but boys like Marla who's had a broken leg he played for three weeks with the broken leg didn't realise you know the Lord Quinn's fans will realise he's, he's not the sharpest tool in the box so he's uh, <laughs> So, so the, the, le- the broken bone didn't affect him too much, but he's, um, you know, he keeps his fit. And match fitness, I think, beginning of the season is a big, th- a big thing. You know, the preseason games, is a, but during the season, it's not so bad really. I think, um, plus, you know, 
if someone like Joe's got to play 50 minutes, the second one's got, Jimmy George is going for Hartley, you know, adrenaline's going to go through the 60 hour anyway, so plus a lot of caffeine. So it's not like, it's not as if it doesn't, uh, you know, I don't think it's as much as effective as it would be beginning the season. I thought during the autumn, because Dylan Hartley uh, came into the autumn having played hardly one club game again, then again, I think. So he was didn't have the match fitness, and it seemed to me that the opportunity was going to arise for Jamie George to come in and show that I think he's a superior hooker. And at some stage, I think it didn't didn't really happen in the autumn, but my belief is at some stage in the Six Nations, Jamie George will get the half an hour or even more, where finally he lays down the evidence that says you're the guy. I'm the guy you have to pick, and and. I just wonder what you guys think. At what stage does Dylan's clear leadership skills finally not trump uh, the, the extra game ability that uh, that Jamie George brings? Because Eddie Jones says that there's not great leadership in the team. I'm not sure I quite believe that. And I just, there's a lot of talk about Marrow as the next captain. I just think Owen Farrell is just sitting there waiting to take over. What do you think, Stuart? Owen Farrell still is a very volatile character. Mario Otoje, I think, will one day captain England, but he's still young. I think the answer to the Dylan Hartley question is when the leadership isn't clear. And I have not always been a fan of Hartley. There was a time um, I really wanted him to be made England captain because I thought England had gone absolutely soft in the last year of uh, Stuart Lancaster's regime. I think last year? Well, they, got <laughs> no, they were soft in the first three, Steve. Absolutely in the fourth. Are they... In England became a team of role models and you need hard men. And Hartley has shown himself not just to be a hard man. He's, he's not necessarily a hard man in that, look at me, aren't I, tough role. But his attitude is edgy and his decision-making is good. And when you go to an England training session and you watch him, when Hartley speaks, all of them stop. And the perception of Dylan Hartley is sort of a loudmouth larrikin uh, from New Zealand, so he can't speak the language, like most Kiwis, uh, but it's not true. The players really do follow Hartley, and, and my view has changed quite a lot. I, like you, thinking how long before Jamie George, who I think technically is exceptional, comes through. It should be autumn. It will be Six Nations, the latest. I can see Hartley going until England are really certain they don't need his leadership, and, and I'm not certain yet. I'm not buying into Owen Farrell quite as much as everyone else. I heard Warren say about him, he's a great player because he does nothing wrong. Your 10 and 12s are not great players if they do nothing wrong. They've got to do a lot more right. And when he starts putting himself out on the edge, really taking risks, and you say you're a captain as well, you're asking questions of Farrell that nobody has an answer to. We just say, oh, he's battle-hardened, he's a test match warrior. He's got questions to answer. So right now, I remain firmly in the Hartley camp. Well, you've moved, haven't you? A long way, yeah. <laughs> when, the, when, when facts change, so do opinions. I mean. <laughs> Steve, which, where, where do you sit on that one? Uh, one of the things you learn at international rugby is that coaches spend loads of time talking about their promising young players and how much they're coming through and they're one for the future and they never pick them. I, I think that Eddie... Uh, apparently in Australia they, they've got this th uh, philosophy that they always throw kids in but that, that's for cricket really I don't think I think Dylan will either be in a, in a, on a Zimmer frame or have been banned for life before Eddie will get rid of him <laughs> I'm serious those are the only two ways he'll either be 47 or banned for life before Eddie will chuck him out 
quite close to being banned for life, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. yeah one more offence. <laughs> yeah. The interesting about the um, the Hartley thing is is Stuart Lancaster would have um, cast him aside a while ago because he he believed that. Uh, he wasn't a Machiavellian coach at all. He wanted the the right role models, as you say. Um, I, I sort of argue this quite a lot at home. Should, should should Hartley be there, even if you think that he's the right leader and and a good enough player? Should should he be the the, the leader of the representative, the ambassador of, of an England rugby team? Uh, a few people nodding out there. Not many shaking their heads. He's done a good job. Fourteen out of fourteen. You know, he's done. You know, why would you want to get rid of him? Just because he's a bit dedgy and a bit, um, looking back home, I think we've had the last two captains have been very sort of straight down the line. Ryan Jones and Sam Warburton, they've gone for Halloween, who's a little bit less, you know, media friendly. He can be a bit of a grumpy bugger, but, um, <laughs> you know, some, as you probably know, but, um, no, I mean, do you even question him being a, you know, a bad choice or not what an England captain should be? I think it's ridiculous, man. Yeah, I mean, we're not, we're not talking about ambassadors here, we're talking about hookers and captains. And role models, let's let our politicians be role models. There's no reason why we should look up to them as role models. If you want people to play rugby in England, the best thing you can do is get a winning England team. And if Dylan Hartley does that, then all it proves is Stuart Lancaster and his obsession with role models was ridiculous, and Eddie Jones with his grim-faced determination to win. It's not Machiavellian, it's just plain rugby sense. It's a hard game, he's got a hard man, and he's got clear, simple leadership. Do you, do you think that, that Ian Ritchie, the chief executive of the RFU, should, had, should have had any influence on, on the decision of who the captain should be? He's picking a captain that's been sent off, that, sorry, has had a total of 60 weeks suspension. Well, that, that, I mean, that's the argument. Was, that's, that's why you would say maybe he shouldn't. You go to jail, you come out, you've paid your time, you start again. That's what justice is about. You take your punishment and come back. Oh, sorry, I... I... It's, it's, Knew we, this we're was all, coming. <laughs> we're all involved. Um, uh, Stuart and I, or Stuart formerly as a player, Adam obviously as, as a current player, my, myself as a journalist, at, at the high end, okay, but you have to, you really are irresponsible if you don't remember mums and dads and kids. I mean, I've been coaching at Maidenhead for nearly 20 years and mums and dads really um, impressionable and I have to say that, you know, you go into a club and you say, look, this guy's England captain where he's been done for biting, gouging, headbutting, short-arm tackle, uh, four-letter word abuse of the referee. It's cost himself a Lions tour, possibly cost Northampton a, uh, a cup final when they lost to Leicester and Hartley was sent off in the first half and it was very tight. I don't think you can just say, well, he's a great player. He's got 14 out of 14. You just have to have a bit more of a conscience than that. I really, I really think that. I'm not being the v- a vicar or a bishop or something, but I think, I think he went too far, frankly. Steve, you're saying that. He got sent off for an offence that was... You know, I, I saw Joe Smith the day after that sending off, and it was Sean O'Brien, one of Smith's key players. And I said to Joe, what do you think of that? And he said... Joe was going backwards, he slipped. It wasn't pretty from Hartley. He said, but that is how we coach players to tackle. Now, some referees would have just said, you know, you go in with a shoulder, the other one comes swinging to dislodge the ball. If he hadn't have been sent off, we wouldn't have this debate. So the whole thing has come to one referee's interpretation and I, I just think it is an absolute nonsense. This was not an act of savagery, was it? Yeah. I mean... It was the act of a maniac. 
<laughs> Adam, Adam, you don't, you don't like him, do you? As, as a player, I think we know we know yeah. what's okay and what's not, don't we? Oh, look, yeah, biting gouging's wrong, isn't it? But you know, if you do miss time with swinging arm, it does occasionally happen. But I, I think I'd much rather captain who, you know, on the field he's a you know could be a bit of a dirty bag or whatnot, but he wears his heart in his sleeve. But then like the round ball. Where captains get into all sorts off the field and um, you know end up in the press and you know they're not doing things they shouldn't be doing with uh, certain people. But um, well, do, do, <laughs> <laughs> just out of interest, why don't we just have a show of hands? If if you would like, if Dylan to carry on being your captain during the Six Nations, put put your hand up. That's quite a and how many of you? Majority. How many of you are mums and dads? Hands up. <clears throat> There's a lot there too, Steve. <laughs> Should we talk about Ireland? <laughs> Ireland? Ireland have shown that they can do something incredible that no one else has done for a, a very long time. Uh, when they beat the All Blacks, they were a significantly injured side. And, and now they're not, in fact, probably carrying the least injuries of any team. I think Jared Payne's their only um, out-and-out out first-choice player who's, who is unavailable for the first round. Can, can they... Can they just repeat that, Steve? Do you think they can they can hit that level of intensity when required? Now they've done it once. Well, well possibly, but if you've done it once, you've done it once. But that was one in a million, really. I mean, it was just unbelievably staggering performance, which they didn't they didn't actually repeat two weeks later. So you know, it, 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 no one could take anything away from that. It was absolutely brilliant. A lot of us were gutted that the All Blacks lost like that, but. <laughs> it was absolutely brilliant and it just shows what they got in them and, and some people who were great players played well some people I think were fairly ordinary played well I think they got a great chance I put them just ahead of England in terms of this match because they're playing England at home, at, at home in terms of this season I think they got a lot there not the complete team but in, in many ways potentially better than the Irish team which won the Grand Slam a few years ago so I just think they're right in there right in there who, who, do, who do we think has got the best back row in the Six Nations because uh, the Irish back row is pretty damn outstanding now everyone quite fancied the England back row last season and, and Wales have what was a, a, a Lions back row and Tipperick um, who we haven't seen properly in the Six Nations ever yet uh, w w if you could have one of them which would it be Adam? What, just one player or the whole? The, of, a, of, a back, of a back row, which I like the, the six, I like the Irish six, the um, CJ Stander. That's standing, isn't very, it? Very Irish. And he's... Um, <laughs> <laughs> but he's, 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 he's been outstanding for the music. You know, so, um, didn't know a lot about him. He kind of played against him a few times with Munster, but um, he's kind of gone to a different level than I thought. You know, it's, he was a solid player, you know, carried well, but this last year or so, he's been absolutely outstanding. I, you know, I don't know if he's a shoe in for the test team, Lions, but... You know, we should be be on the plane somewhere. But personally, I wouldn't swap anyone for Tipperick. You know, I, I've seen him come through from like an 18-year-old coming through the Ospreys. And for me, he's on a different level to any seven in the UK. But he's on an island, obviously. But um, yeah, for me, he's the, I wouldn't swap in for anybody. So w when you were in the Wales team and Tipperick was eternally on the bench... Was that like a subject that couldn't be spoken? I mean, did did, every, did everyone recognise that, or, or or was Sam so good then that, that it, it wasn't an issue? Yeah, we didn't have a bad replacement to be in uh, Warburton, so um, you know, you kind of uh, gloss over it. But I think when Sam did play six with Tips, I think that 2013 game showed 
you know, we had a, it was a lot more about a back row, especially with uh, Tulupe as well, which was, you know, another one's probably sure in to go on the tour if fit. But it's sending the Ospreys, and if you're from Swansea, Neath, and Bridgend, it's something you, you've known for years. You, all the, all, you always have clubs who have uh, a player that you, you know you, you know about, but no one quite uh, recognises how good they are. But hopefully from the autumn, now he's kicked on, and well, he was outstanding in the autumn. He's been amazing for the Ospreys since then, and hopefully he can go on to a different level now, uh, doing Six Nations. And I think he can, because as a rugby player, he's like, uh, literally a different level to anything I've ever seen mm. up, up here. Owen, oh, Barnsley was talking about uh, the Six Nations being harder than the autumn, etc. I mean, the Six Nations, if you look at the number eights alone, um, almost worth the money on their own. I mean, Sergio Parise, possibly, maybe a bit over the top for Italy, but what a sensational player. Falatau, I think, is one of the greatest <coughs> number eights I've ever seen play the game. Billy, if fit, is, is fantastic. Um, Jamie Heaslip of Ireland I'm not quite sure what Scott, the Scotsons will be but number eights in the Six Nations are just one of the, you know at least four maybe five of the all time greats of the game so just like I say worth watching on their own mm. we'll, uh, we'll probably talk a bit about the Lions in, the, in a minute but um, most competitive um, Lions position eight lock. lock eight or lock for me lock I, I mean test position is one thing it's going to be a scrap there. I personally think Billy Vunipola is going to get get the job over uh, Fallertown. I think he'll play them both. I think he'll stick one of them at six. I mean, unless, unless Stander really listen, keep, keeps it going. But. Stander is keeping it going. He plays an incredible level every time. Well, and the, the amazing thing for Ireland is, in fact, the best number eight in Ireland, their best back row would leave Heaslip out, who's playing his best rugby for five or six years. You'd play Stander at eight and you'd play Omani, who's a right bugger on the blind side, and Sean O'Brien. They have got amazing strength in depth, but... You see, I mean, you've got Van der Fleer in there. Uh, yeah, I mean, and he's... Yeah, but he's not, he's not going to knock out Sean O'Brien if he's fit. But most competitive position for the Lions tour has to be... Has to be lock. I mean, you've got... Uh, you've got Henderson and Atoje, the versatile four sixes who are both brilliant players and I think we'll go on tour because of that you've got Cruz who we know what he's done last year uh, Courtney Laws and Lordsbury have cases then you've got Johnny Gray who is an absolute tackling machine and brilliant at the lineouts for Scotland and then I come uh, last but not least to a man that Steve loathes no no he doesn't loathe doesn't think much of as a player Devon Toner, who is magnificent for Ireland and Leinster, and he runs a line out like no others. I'm with you. Are you a Toner man? I like Toner, yeah. He's oh. been, for last year or so, he's been brilliant. Unbelievable. He, you know, he obviously doesn't look the part, does he? No. But, uh, <laughs> no, we don't, we don't, exactly. So, look at me. But, uh, you did forget Alan Wynn in there, but. Uh, oh, he's uh, my captain. Oh, that's okay, fine. That's Why not, Dev? No. Oh. no. Well, you said he didn't look the part. He's six like foot me. ten and about eight stone. No, but you were good. You didn't look the part, but you were good though. He's twenty-one stone. No, he's, he's about eight stone. He's got great hands as well. And can I thank Adam for reminding me that my captain I forgot at Alan Wynne Jones, Lions captain Alan Wynne. Only um, captain. Only captain. Only contender. We, are we sure that he's that he's a first choice selection? He's not going to get in over Toner, surely. <laughs> <laughs> he could play four to Dev's five. <laughs> He was very good in the autumn. I mean, you're a former club mate, so you might be a bit biased, but... I'm very biased, yeah. 
And what, are you, what, what, what is he like, Adam? To, to, think, to play with? If I think you, if you look at Arlen in a nutshell, look if watch the Lions DVD from 2013 when he was put into the captaincy. You watch all the talks when you have Warburton and Lydia and these kids who are doing the talk, team talks. You watch his team talking the third test before the game, and you realise what a good captain he is. So it's, it's on YouTube. I'm sure, and I'm sure you can still get in Smiths and stuff. But so have a look at the DVD, and that he's. His intelligence, I believe, he's a fantastic player. He's obviously a bright bloke. How he handled the whole thing, the O'Driscoll, Rigmarole, everything like that, in the last week of that uh, test, he was, was uh, sensational and yeah, he's got to be captain. Warren Gatlin said if three or four times now that um, he'll only pick a Lions captain who has uh, international captaincy experience. Uh, it's just splendidly convenient that uh, uh, for the previous the six nations before the Lions, Sam Warburton steps down and Alan Wynn steps up. I mean, it, it's not cynical. It's just a, a fact. Do you, do you he think has captain wheels before? Hmm? He's captain wheels before, but not on a consistent. Uh, but he's still captain, wasn't he? So he's got an experienced captain. Huh? <laughs> he's captain Lions for the third test. Captain lost Osprey's last time. I'm years, not so. going to pick an argument on that one. But but do, but, 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 but do you think there was conversations about that about um, Warren and Rob Howley? We we want to try him because we think he could be the Lions man. I think it's the right thing for wheels. I think uh, at the moment. Can I ask? Because um, a huge number of people. Big Alan Wynne Jones fan. Why, why has he captained Wales so infrequently? Why did Warburton get the job over him? It's a mystery to me. Yeah, me too. Yeah. <laughs> Thank, thanks for clearing that one up, then. <laughs> Always nice to get the inside knowledge, isn't it? Yeah? <laughs> well, you, you've interviewed him. Have you interviewed him? Yeah, yeah. He's an awkward bugger, isn't he? Yes, sometimes, he is, yeah. yeah. And yeah, he'd be yeah. like Charv used to be. And yeah. you know. Um, I think some of the other captains between those two have uh, been ever so slightly more, you know, good with the media and yeah. uh, played everything the straight path. Where Al can kind of, you know, get in a pretty yeah, argument with the guys. Spot so. on, yeah, spot on. He doesn't have to be good with the media, though, does he? Well, it helps, doesn't it? It certainly helps with wheels. But back to back to the Irish uh, question again, which we sort of slid away from before. Do they rely too much on Johnny Sexton managing to get past sixty minutes, Stuart, or do you think that they have now? got uh, one or two Paddy Jackson, Joe Carberry who are ready to pick up pick up the baton when when uh, when John, Johnny Sexton can't carry on anymore. I'm a massive Sexton fan. I think he's crucial to the Lions, but he does get injured a lot. Uh, Conor Murray was targeted against Glasgow and got hammered. Uh, Scotland will carry that policy through and they will try and get to him. Who knows what will happen? Past years, there's been Johnny Sexton and no one else for Ireland. They tried Madigan, who's a good rugby player, but he doesn't have any game control. Paddy Jackson's one of the most improved players in Pro 12 rugby. Uh, Carberry is, is a sensational talent, and if Sexton was out injured, if you started with Jackson and had Carberry on the bench, you'd be pretty well blessed. Stuart, you worried about uh, Sexton being hounded out by the Scots? What about what about the Kiwis? Oh yeah, I'm they'll they tell you what they'll be planning for that now, and I would seriously consider leaving him at home for his own safety for a start. But if he lasts sixty minutes in the Six Nations, he lasts sixty seconds down there because you know what bastards the All Blacks are. <laughs> I do know what bastards the All Blacks are. Yes, uh, and I, I wondered when you were going to say leave Sexton at home. Four years ago, Steve was saying leave Brian O'Driscoll at home. He's got this way with the Irish. Yeah, I, he's, on. he's just you, a high-class player, Steve. Steve, are you, you really leaving him at home? I take Dan Bigger and Owen Farrell as two of my tens because they can stand up, they can stand up for themselves and they've got authority and physicality. Anyone who's groaning, 
we've toured New Zealand for 135 years. We've won once, okay? We've won three tests there out of about 42. And our fly half was big, bad Barry John. <laughs> yeah, that was a different game, though. That was a different game. Yeah, and the All Blacks were nice then, weren't they? No. no they're horrible. Who, who would you play at 10, Adam? Oh, um, I think... I mean, you're unavailable because you're coaching, aren't you? Yeah, this is... <laughs> I should I'll probably be out there. But um, oh, I think Farrell, it all depends who, who you play with him in 12. It's, I mean, it's a tough one, isn't it? So Farrell forward works well, but I, I think with Steve, the, I, I couldn't see Ford out there. He looks, all a bit, he looks a bit frail for me in that sort of um, environment where... But I think Johnny will go, and I wouldn't be surprised to see Johnny and uh, Farrell 10, 12, personally. Mm-hmm. I don't know who's John and Joseph 13. We haven't really talked much about Scotland or France or Italy yet. And, and um, Scotland on the rise, France, some people say are on the rise. I have no idea if, 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 you, th- if you think they are. Uh, Italy have got a famous coach. I, I think Scotland are the most interesting uh, of that group because we've been waiting for a, for a really good Scotland team for a while. I think this is the best group of, of players Scotland ha- have had for probably a decade and a half. Um, c- can they make an impact on this tournament? We'll, we'll know on Saturday evening. They have got to win their first game. They have got to. If they don't win, they might as well resign from the others. They, I think it's something like 15 years since Scotland won their first game of the Six Nations. If they can beat Ireland, they're in amongst it. And, they, they, you know, they all grow six inches. But if they don't, they're, they're, they're looking at only one more home game and three away, I think. And they're really struggling. So this game is probably the biggest they've played for 20 or 30 years. It's absolutely ginormous, Scotland-Italy on Saturday. They have to win it. If they don't, they're really back in square one. Um, I, I think, personally, going from a sort of totally set-piece point of view, Nell's out, who's been excellent for them recently, last, last year or so, and he's a massive loss. Um, John Emphrey's the forwards coach up there, coaching with the Ospreys, still, you know, Talk to him very often about uh, certain things. The good young tight end came through Xander Ferguson, yeah, yeah. but he isn't not there yet. No, he's not. He, he looked in the autumn. He wasn't you know, anywhere near Nell, and um, I think he's a, he's a big loss because the rest of the pack's good. You know, I think they're a bit maybe lightweight in the sort of uh, back row, maybe. But you know, John Barkley, Hardy, these type of fellas. But uh, he's uh, he's gonna be a massive loss. Mm. Hardy was was one of the back rowers of the entire tournament last year, but but uh, apparently now those sort of sevens aren't uh, aren't worth any money anymore. But you like you, you think you think they're 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 too too lightweight in the back then. Well, to be fair to Hardy, he's not the biggest bloke, but he oh. tackles like yeah. a tank. It doesn't matter your size if you put the hits in. I mean, we'll go back to Adam's favourite su- sub- subject, Justin Tipperick. Gatlin's problem wasn't his ability. He felt that he didn't have the heft in a big international, and that if he played someone like Haskell, he'd get smashed off it. Therefore, he went for a bigger, less talented model in Warburton. Um, the question is, can you physically take it? And it doesn't matter what size hard he is. He's proved himself to be a very big, hard-tackling uh, flanker. I think he's a good player. Um, but I do think Scotland, are, with Nell out, they look slightly lightweight. I'm a big fan of Johnny Gray's, but again, a little bit lightweight. You look at some of the other packs, they're big bruisers, and, and it's going to be a hard old tournament in... February and March, and, and I, I just think Scotland will show promise. They might produce one cracking performance, but by the end of the tournament, I think they'll be the second half of the of the table and slightly disappointed. 
And, and, and Stuart, we, we do need to hear your opinion on the French, because I know you're eternally mesmerised by the unpredictability, the, the flair that you never know when, when it's going to come or, or not. Just wax lyrical on that a little bit for us. Well, France have been the most ridiculously badly reported team in rugby for 20 years. Every newspaper talks about French flair. It's the most insulting cliché to you readers I can imagine. There is no flair in France, and there hasn't been for a decade. They're big, and they are slow, and they are cumbersome. What's heartbreaking is there was a hint that with Camille Lopez, Wesley Fofana and Remy Lamarat of Clermont together, they might just have something behind. They had a couple of Fijians with pace in the wing, can't defend, but they can attack. And he just thought, hey, France might do something. They play Baptiste Saran at scrum half. They look good. Then what happens? Wesley Fofana goes and gets injured and the whole shooting match has been blown up and it, it looks completely different now. They'll bring in Gail Ficou, of Toulouse, who's a very good player, but all of the French planning was based around 10, 12 and 13 of Clermont and coupled with the fact that at, at their training camp, it's been frozen last week, so they haven't been able to train outdoors. They've trained indoors on synthetic surface where they haven't been able to put the work in. This week it's too late to do the hard stuff. They're not a very fit team anyway compared to some of the uh, British teams. I, I think everything is against France this season so you're not really sure about your opinion on that one then <laughs> I fancy England Saturday yeah D does anyone doubt, doubt the, the England on Saturday thing to kick off their Six Nations I mean I, I think Wales is, the, is the, the big hurdle before they get to the Ireland game yeah no I think, yeah, I think England will it'd be quite, I think it'd be quite comfortable I think um, as Stuart said they, they, they're not fit France aren't fit they play 10 man rugby out there you know and the major, majority of their teams are run by superstars apart from Clermont really who've I've got that sort of access, but as you said, Fafana's out now, so it's a bit of a bollock for them. But that's, that's what I found. It, it, um, Tom, we were asking Tom Wood about Louis Picamol's the other day, and, and Wood was saying he couldn't quite understand why a, a Frenchman would come to play in the uh, in the Premiership. You get play, played paid so well down there, uh, so so why move? Uh, so, anyway, his answer from Picamol's was that Picamol's had actually come to to an English club because he knew that he could be fitter and stronger and better if he came here and was going to get all the S and C and all that extra bits that he doesn't get in France. So that's exactly what you're saying, Adam. I think the, the uh, when um, we started getting live French Championship matches over on TV here, everybody thought, "Oh, blimey, this is great! I'm going to watch every single one of these." You turn on for ten minutes, it's, it's, it's not unwatch it's unwatchable, isn't it? It's live is an interesting word, Steve. Oh, it's terrible! It's terrible. But I mean, <laughs> apart from Claremont, it is the most dreary thing, and yet the broadcasters and the sponsors pay more and more and more. It dwarfs the Premiership in terms of the, the receipts. But do you know what? I watch. I think the Premiership has been fantastic this year, and out of every ten times the choice between those two, I watch the Premiership every time. Uh, Adam, Italy. You, you, Harry, you'd have played against them. I don't know numerous times. Do, do you know? Okay, let's not do that. Um, I don't. You didn't ask me a question. Uh, you just looked at me. And um, and <laughs> I will ask you a question now. Then let's go for it. Uh, and you've obviously had a season under their new coach. If you put Connor with with that with that country that other coaches have, have failed to do anything more than uh, bring the occasional 
uprising and, and fantastic uh, victory out of is is Connor the man to to take it any further or are there just limitations in that nation that that are insuperable? Like I think there is obviously limitations. It was a good question. That was a That's question. Very good. Yeah, it's good. It was. Um, there are limitations. They haven't got the depth. They haven't got the players really. But you know, I think he's been. I don't know about the coaches, but by all accounts, Bent is a good defence coach. You know, Mike Hart. You know, I think he's a good coach by all accounts. But we, what he will have them is revved up the eyeballs, ready to kick off against Wales when. Even in probably, he's probably learned Italian. He's an intelligent guy. He, he will have them right on the edge, ready to go. That's, it's going to be the one they're going to challenge, uh, target. Just for the simple, you know, Wales are in a transition phase. You know, it's in Rome, and I, I think you know it's, it's a tough, it's a tough day for Wales. Uh. I've been out there and lost, and it's a, it's a tough place to go sometimes, and especially when Paris is on form and they pack it their tails up. You know, obviously there's issues with the backline, as there always has been. But uh, you know, it was a bit of. Uh, Sp sp sprinkling magic dust in there now, and um, yeah, I think I think it's going to be a tough game for us because Connor will have them uh, revved up. Would you um, were you surprised that Connor would have would have taken that job? I and mean, this is all very retrospective now. Um, uh, obviously, he loved Harlequins, uh, but 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 to take an international job is obviously the next step up. But you, one might question whether it, uh, taking the job of coach of Italy uh, would enhance a. a, a Coach's uh, reputation CV? Well, obviously, if he does very well, if he does well, or does well, if he wins a game, then it's already better, isn't it? So, um, <laughs> than most uh, most Italian coaches. So, oh, look, I think it's a stepping stone to something different in, in four years' time, maybe. But um, when Joe Smith leaves, but um, it, it, I think it's a good move for him. You know, he's a, he loved this place. Like I, I knew him a year. You know, he was Harlequins. He was through and through. We lost out to Exeter last season, last year, and like sixty points and. I don't think I've ever seen a, a rugby guy so upset at the final whistle because it was his last game in the stoop and he was, you know, it wasn't the way we wanted to send him out. Mm. But um, I think he'll do a good job. He's uh, he's got a good rugby head in him. I don't think he's going to play the Quinns way out there because they can't play. They haven't got the skills to do that. But uh, you know, he'll he'll understand. He'll realise what the limitations they have, and uh, yeah, I think he'll do a good job at it. Oh, you know, all the reports I've got is that they absolutely love him already. Mm. Um, the, the way I think he's ideal for them, and I think he will make them better. Uh, I think he's he's just uh, a kind of sort of almost vol volcanic character. Sometimes I think he's very focused, which is what they need. I think he'll kick them in the backside. The last coach, Jack Brunel, sat there for four four years, look steady, staring at him. At him ahead of him, never said anything to the media, don't think he could speak much Italian. Connor is out there now, bustling around, uh, kicking backsides, as I say, obviously got Parise on side, talking a big game, and I think he'll galvanise them. And I don't think if Wales win on Saturday, I don't think it'll be by much. I think he's ideal, I think he's the right man at the right time. Problem is for Italy, um, and I agree uh, with what Adam's inferring and Steve's saying there, that it's going to be tough for Wales. But Italy's problem is, and, you know, if, if you follow their team, the Zebra in Europe, and you watch Pro 12 rugby, you know, they're always 11th and 12th. They're the worst team in Europe. They simply don't have the material. And you can get just about 18 decent players out there at the start of the international, and they're motivated and they're up for it. But, you know, let's say Wales come away and nick a late win. They then have... Who's the next game up for them? Um, Whoever it is anyway. They, they, they lose one or two with injury. They lose one or two more. They get to halfway through their third or fourth round of games and they are just leaking points because you have to have strength in depth. And, and the reason England are favourites is not because they've got the best 15. 
I think right now Ireland probably have is because England have the strength in depth to go through this tournament. Conversely, Italy have none. They're just wafer thin. Quick, quick up and up and down the row. Uh, give us some uh, uh, one player to watch uh, during the Six Nations. Uh, I'll, I'll start off with Reese Webb. Um, I'm just looking forward to seeing him because we haven't seen enough of him recently. Uh, all this Lions chat has gone completely towards Conor Murray for the uh, for the number nine spot, and I think um, Webb, when he was uh, playing at his best, was just outstanding. And I'm looking forward to seeing him. Well, everyone's talking about Tad Furlong. And being the prop expert I am, I'm going to talk about the other bloke, Jack McGrath on the loose head, who I think, uh, with him starting and Kean Healy coming off the bench, gives Ireland an amazing attacking edge in, in their front row. Just again, I'm going to go for a Quinns player, uh, Joe Marler. I think he's got a big chance now with uh, Mark Gordon North there. Um, what I see in Joe is... He's, like, he's a test match lion. He's, he's, that, he's that type of player. Where I'd probably see Marco come off the bench in the test match, but Marla, he's, I think I see him as a test match player, test match lion. He's got those sort of characteristics about him. And yeah, I think he, need, if he, I think he can have a big Six Nations, a big part to play in this England team. I'm going to have a Quinn's prop as well. Um, I think I would love to see, I don't think he's going to start any games, I would love to see Carl Sinclair come on, not for 10 minutes at the end. Um, I, think, I think Dan Cole's been a valiant trier, but I think... Uh, he's never seems to be dominant to me gives away an incredible number of penalties and uh, and sometimes gets in the way and I think Kyle Sinclair is absolutely supercharged as a rugby player Adam um, was saying that he thinks he's coming on as a, as a, as a scrimmager I think it, I would love to see a dynamic player come on there and get a a, a few, you know not five minutes get get half a half a game of action I'd also like to see uh, Michel Campagnaro who's playing for Exeter is a real good player, and I'd love him to seek to give Italy just something in midfield. But for me, even though it sounds bizarre, I go for Sinclair. Okay, and, and, and quickly out the row, you, you're one, two, three for the uh, for the, for the title. I, I, I'll be going uh, England, Ireland, Wales. Ditto. Ireland, Wales, England. <laughs> <laughs> I go Ireland, England, Scotland. Ooh.